The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome, football fans, to this NBC Sports Radio and NBCSN remote broadcast event. We are on the road at the NFL Scouting Combine, live from Indianapolis. It's Pro Football Talk Live. Let's do this, Florio. It was great. Um, I trained with a lot of great players, such as uh, Cam Clark, Josh Jones, Hakeem, uh, Sadiq. Those are my guys, so we, we all compete. We all had a great time this, this little time that we had. Um, he helped me with, a, with my technique a lot. He helped me uh, to find my spot, and uh, he's just a great guy. I feel like I'm the most dominant tackle in this draft. You you wouldn't go wrong picking me. Why do you feel that? I mean, the tape shows it. The tape shows that I finish almost every play. Simple as that. Um, I can say uh, Dwayne Leffert, my uh, my my offensive line coach. He helped me out a lot this year. Um, I wasn't I wasn't too like. I wasn't finishing at first until he got there, so he helped me out with that. It was great. It was it was a great transition. Um, they came in um, with open arms. It was a it was a family aspect from jump when they got there. So I still I actually talked to him yesterday. So I still look at him as, look at him as family. Makai Becton, Louisville tackle, not mincing words when posed the question of why he thinks he's the best tackle in the draft, most dominant, and I am not about to doubt him, especially since we may have him on set. No feats of strength 
against Makai Becton, as far as I'm concerned, if we do get him here. We've got plenty more going on over the course of the next few hours here on this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Radio, just one more hour before the re-air. TV, we've got three full hours of coverage. Yesterday afternoon, we had an opportunity to speak to Bruce Arians, the Buccaneers head coach. Here's the conversation Chris Sims and I had with the two-time former NFL coach of the year. Continuing our conversations at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, joining us now, two-time NFL coach of the year, once with the Colts as offensive coordinator and interim head coach, and again with the Arizona Cardinals now entering year two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the great Bruce Arians. Welcome back, Coach. <laughs> How you guys doing? We're so, we were so happy when you got back in the NFL. The NFL yes. is so much more <laughs> you fun, are fun when you're in it. No doubt about it. It, it, it. I love it. I really do. You give us a great Monday soundbite every <laughs> week to where we got something to talk about, and I got to like just talk about his wardrobe right here. By far the coolest NFL <laughs> anything around here all right i mean look at that cool shirt i mean he's got it i mean how do you are you your own stylist i mean oh, yeah, yeah you, you are know what and they didn't even ask me about the new uniforms so i was pissed well, they didn't ask you at all <laughs> no they went, and did it. they went and did it on their own they went and did it on their own okay but, uh, it's it's time for a change have you I seen think. them i just a sketch Get a sketch okay yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm anxious to see because i wasn't a big fan of the current ones i, I like the original ones mm-hmm and then when they changed in 97, what a dramatic change. And this tweak, it's like trying to put them both together. I don't really like that. I'm anxious to see what the new yeah, ones are. I'm anxious are. to see it, too. I think it's more close to the Super Bowl uniforms. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. Do you wear sunscreen, or do you just, just go out there and bake every day? I just go out and bake. I know you do. You're unbelievable. Holy crap. You don't have to be as red as the Buccaneer, you know? Okay? <laughs> um, it, it was an interesting first year, to say the least. You know, Jameis Winston has 5,109 passing yards, eighth highest single season total. Only four human beings have had more than him. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and Peyton Manning. Um, how do you balance the good against the, the not-so-good, the 30 interceptions? It's hard. It's really hard. I mean, uh, you, would, you would, have, would have hoped we had a better December. The decision-making in December, um, I would have liked to have seen more growth. Right. But his deep ball accuracy and some of the things that he improved, he improved tremendously. Right. So, I mean, this stealing is the limit for him. It's just making some decisions. Well, what is I – because mean, his good is, like, phenomenal good, right? I mean, it, it's – I'm really? always like, oh, my gosh. This yeah. is – when you take his five best plays of the year, you go, this is one of the best quarterbacks in football. You know, what, what is the – reasoning you get in his brain sometimes for some of the decisions he does make what is, is there any common theme of is it trying to do too much or yeah, just, I think that Superman cape thing that is, you know is. trying to yeah. every play is the biggest play of the game right just take the check down right just take the check down yeah he's always trying to hammer in the 20 yard mm-hmm. gain or the 20 and you just he's just not it's not yeah. in there it's yet a, yeah it's, and it's, I think it comes with growth right um, I can't judge the first four years I can only judge one year yeah um, you know he got that talent so he's going to hang on that one down down there too long. Right. Maybe he gets sacked. Right. But just, just get up. I think those will come. Yeah. What can he do to work on his decision-making? I know you guys do the virtual reality stuff, and I don't know how much he's taken to that, but what can you really do five years in to improve your decision-making? It's pretty baked in after all those seasons. Yeah, I, I always go back to just one year with, with us, and I can't make the dis- evaluation of those four years. Right. But there are weeks it's perfect. Then it's weeks. It's not. Um, it's just continuing to learn, continue to practice, and uh, we'll see where it goes. 
You're like one of the great offensive innovators in football. I love watching your offense. I wish I could have played for you. I really do. Where do you, are you a, I know you probably steal some ideas from some teams and you have, of course, your base offense. Where do you come up with your plays? Like, What's your process? Who do you watch? Are you afraid to try new plays? No, no. I mean, we, right. we've got a system yeah. that's very broad. Right. So it's really not anything on tape that, oh, we'll steal that because we got something really close to it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Right. Uh, but I think a lot of my philosophy was here in Indy with Tom Moore. Yeah. When Peyton, Peyton's first three years as quarterback coach and right. how simple he can make the game. Yeah. And then we started with the play action stuff. I was an old wishbone quarterback, so I love hard play action throwbacks. So all those years of being a scout team quarterback in college, not a starter, yeah. I, got, I got to play a lot of offenses. And uh, so I think some of it's that. There's just different philosophies of offenses that we've run over the years. Right. This may be a better question for Jason Light, but what is the timetable for making a decision about Jameis, working out a contract with him or otherwise, and then moving on to other options if you just decide not to keep him? I think the other options, who are they? And is it better? Yeah. Uh, that's what's got to happen in the next few weeks. Um, it's just that time now with the legal tampering period or whatever. Uh, who is really available? You um, you got some decisions in free agency. I mean, you got some talented players on your football team. And, you know, Chris Godwin had this huge year, and that's a lot because of you. You know, how, you know, how do you balance that out here going forward and, and trying? Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to get Chris yeah. uh, extended this year. He's definitely a guy you want. And, um, but yeah. defensively, uh, we have a chance to be top five defense. Right. The way we finish the season and keeping that front seven together is paramount for me, um, especially those two pass rushers. Yeah. Well, with Shaq Barrett especially, and he said some things recently that maybe are, are, are positive that you could get something done without the franchise tag. Ideally, do you want to get a long-term deal done with I, I'd him? I'd love to have a deal done. You know, Is there progress being made in that regard? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't get involved in money. I just want to, you make all you can, and I'll stay out of it. Well, I'll just coach you. Well, and you got some young up-and-coming studs on your team, too. Well, I mean, I think we have the best inside linebacker duo there is. Right. And, I mean, I would argue. Levante with, and Devin. Yeah, and, right. Uh, but And then the secondary, those young kids came on like gangbusters at the end of the year. That's how I was going to go. Like Carlton Davis, just, you know, I mean, Vita Via or Via Vita, whatever. Vita Via. I mess it up every time. Um, but oh, he's yeah, a monster. Speak, yeah, speak to some of those guys. Yeah, I mean, as far as getting him more involved in the pass rush. Right. I mean, we were taking him out and, and putting in some more fast guys, but he can push the pocket. He's, and that's why we're top run defense because of Nadama and Sue, and he just stop it. Yeah. You know I mean, uh, so, yeah, I mean, John Murphy Bunning, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, all those young kids in the secondary right. just had a great November, December. Yeah. What was the moment last year that made you say to yourself, it was worth coming back for this? Yeah, I think the first national anthem. I mean, it's, I, st- I still tear up at the National Anthem every week. But uh, <laughs> coming out of that tunnel in that first week and hearing the National Anthem and being back in the NFL was it, it, just broadcasting didn't do it for me. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. That's not going to get your blood to boil the, the I right way. I what I wanted to say. And, yeah, you're going to swear. You're <laughs> like me. Open. You gotta I say wide-ass open all the time now, thanks to you. I get in trouble every time I say wide-ass open. I said it again. And then somebody's talking to me. You can't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not but, well, he's got some jersey back in his oh, history. Yeah. I know yeah. not only was he friends with Rondé and Tiki Barber's father, uh, my, my – Babysat him. Babysat them, the, 
the Toll family, who's a great legend, right. high school coach, the best high school coach in the history of New Jersey. They were they were at Va- Virginia Tech, right? Yeah. yeah. So they, I've always heard stories about oh, you. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, I've heard them all. Um, I lost where I was going to ask him a question, and I totally lost my train of thought. So I'm off. How, how upset were you when Good. Drew Brees decided to come back? Uh-huh. Were you rooting secretly? No. Get this guy out of uh, here. I, 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 I hate seeing great players leave the game. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy. And it's a great competition when we play those guys. That's where I wanted to go. Great, great players. I, 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 mean, I have to ask you, like, Patrick Mahomes, just your two cents on him. Because I know you're a quarterback guy and you watch him. And I mean, he's such a freak of nature. There was never a doubt in my mind he was going to be successful. Yeah. Because, you know, having had Peyton Manning on the board come out of college and Andrew Luck on the board, Pat was right there with him. I mean... When you start talking protections on the board for a young quarterback, it's like, what? Yeah. This is how you fix it. This is how you fix it. These are the words. In the middle of the workout, right. I walk up on the end of the line and said, it's man protection. He makes the proper call. Yeah. I looked at Byron and said, oh, it usually takes three years. Yeah. You know, and it, that slide protection, he makes the proper call. Right. And and meantime, he's throwing a bullet into 35-mile-an-hour winds. You right. know, so, was, yeah, there was no doubt. Pat yeah, I mean, is it like one of the greater arms or throwing displays that you've seen? Like, Oh, by far. What, by far? By far. Like, yeah. you put him in the category of Favre or Aaron Rodgers or yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe I in his I own? I think he's in his own. Okay. Because he can throw from every angle. Yeah. The, the right. shortstop part of it. Right. You know, it gets him in trouble sometimes. But yeah. Yeah, he's, not he's very good. often, though. And he's got that release. You know, Dan Marino had the quick release from the normal, traditional throwing mm-hmm. position. But he's running full speed to his left and just whips it back to his right. And the defenders have no chance to react to it. I mean, that's got to be one of his most oh, yeah. traits. Yeah, we've yeah. got to play him next year. So I know. <laughs> right, you're going to have to see him. You'll get to see it in person. Well, what's your thoughts on, like, guys like Joe Burrow, okay? Just, you know, he's not going to work out. He's not going to do anything. You know, I, I know that's not an end-all, be-all. Do you, no, do you care at all? No, I mean, so many great quarterbacks and great players have not worked out. There's right. some guys' pro days are next week. Right. So, do you need to? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. for me, it's, it's more the interview process here, the, the beginnings of getting to know these guys. Right. And are they going to fit the culture of your locker room? Yeah, right. What do you think of the possibility or the likelihood of seven playoff teams from each conference? I love it. I love it. just, you know, more cities that are excited yeah, about the game, and it's great for the game. Damn, you love it too? I didn't think you would love it. Yeah, it, we would have been in my first year in Arizona, 10-5, and five, and, and missed it. Well, yeah. Well, we would have been in then. Yeah, so. see, yeah. I think it's easier to say you love it because you see the benefit of getting from the seventh seed. From the two-seed perspective, yeah. that two-seed's going to be cursing a blue streak when it has to play another game, whereas in past years they'd have had a week off. I think the only people that should have the week off are the ones with the best record in yeah, the league. Yeah, you like that? You I like do. that? I really do. Yeah. yeah. So you just think it'll make the regular season that much more important. I, and yeah, definitely. You've earned that right to get that advantage. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I mean, that would be my arguing point, too. I just worry we're going to see a number one seed versus a number one seed in the Super Bowl too much. I, I worry about that, but you don't yeah, seem to keep down. See, my prediction yeah. is that's going to happen, one seed versus one seed for like five years. So then we're going to say, hey, we should have eight teams in the playoffs, and the owners will say, fine, <laughs> if you insist, we'll go ahead and expand to 16. More games, more playoff teams. 17 games, you're fine with that? Hey, it's above my pay grade. I gotta be okay with it. If, yeah. it, if they vote on it, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't get we don't get a vote. All, all right, right, Coach Wade, man. appreciate it as Thanks, always. Congratulations on the success and all the best this offseason. Appreciate it. Thanks. Stop being so damn cool. Okay. <laughs> See ya. They all want to get drafted, but not all of them.
of the will. We're back live at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. It's Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio. All right, you saw him on the podium about 20 minutes ago, and he is here in the flesh with us at our setup at the Indianapolis Convention Center. Makai Becton, Louisville Tackle. Makai, great to see you, pal. Great to see you. Thanks for having well, me. We've also got Shereen Williams, Chris Sims. Tried to fight through it, and he went back to the hotel. He may be back later. Shereen's going to fill in for a bit here. But, Makai, hey, uh, I-, I was impressed by your answer. I mean, straight talk, no messing around. You believe you're the most dominant tackle yes, in the draft. What have you experienced while playing college football that makes you believe that? Um, just the way I dominate the man in front of me. It shows on the tape every play. Um, I'm dominating, making sure he falls every play. Who have, who have you dominated the, the most? Who's the guy that you have just buried into the ground every time you faced him? Syracuse. Syracuse for sure. I, I don't really know his, I don't, I don't know his name off rip, but like Syracuse for sure. That's all I can say. Who's the best guy you've gone against? Bradley Chubb, my freshman year. What made him so tough? It was just he had different type of moves that I haven't seen before. So, I mean, it was definitely a challenge, but I had fun playing against him for sure. Are you looking forward to getting a chance to see him again at the next level? Yes, sir. <laughs> definitely looking forward to Who's that one guy that when you see him out on the field, you're going to say, oh, my, I can't believe I am out here with that guy? It's a lot of players. It's a lot of greats. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard to choose. Um, I would say uh, Aaron Donald. Just seeing him across the ball, I mean, I'm going to be, be starstruck at first, then I'm, this is going to be time to play. Did you watch any tape on him? Yeah, I did. I watched like, a little bit. Kind of, what do you think of his game? He's, he's dominant, real dominant. Yeah. He's a really dominant player. Do you study any other tackles, see their moves, see what they do? To, and how Smith. much of that do you incorporate into your game? Um, I, I incorporate a lot. I make sure um, I always try to make sure uh, my stance don't show. Whatever play it is, that's what Tyrant Smith does. And he like he dominates real well as well. I think you trained at Michael Johnson. Did yes, you ma'am. Not? Yes, ma'am. What was it like learning from an, an Olympian, 400 and 200, but but learning from an Olympian? What was that like? It was great because uh, he taught me he taught me how to run like. Um, growing up, I, I, I wasn't running the right way after he taught me, so it was great. So I can't wait to run. What's your target? I, and look, I, I, I don't want to hold you to it, and I know you're probably going to want to aim a little higher so you come in under, but what, give, me, give me just a rough idea of what you're shooting for when you run the uh, floor. 5-2. 5-2? 5-2 and low. 5-2 and below. What about the, uh, the bench press on the other side of the curve? 30 How many plus. 30 plus? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think you said freakish numbers, right? Yes, sir. It, all yes, all, the, yes, all the way through every every drill, we're gonna have some freakish numbers. Yes, ma'am. Is it what what drills are you bust in? What's your worst drill? Uh, I feel like my best drill probably gonna be the forty. Okay. And my worst drill probably gonna be the L drill. Makai, how old were you when you made that first growth spurt that has pushed you towards six foot seven, three hundred plus? Uh, like fourteen, fifteen. That's really when I started to hit my growth spurt because uh, it was one summer. It was like not summer, but like my dad had got me some sweatpants. And then like within weeks, I needed some more sweatpants because they were hot water. So <laughs> like, he was mad about that. He was like, you don't need no more sweatpants. I'm like, yes, I do. So, Dad, my sweatpants are shorts now. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Um, do you have to work to keep your weight on? Uh, I know a lot of guys, you know, the metabolism is still high and they really got to fight. Or is it uh, yeah. natural for you? No, I mean, um, at first, the, pr- the problem with my weight, um, I wasn't eating enough because I would burn like 1,200 calories in a workout, and I wasn't replacing that in, f- in food. So that was really my problem. So now I'm, I'm learning to eat more. So that, that helped me out a lot. 
I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. So you didn't eat mom and dad out of house and home when you nah. were growing up? No, nah, I, didn't, I didn't really eat. I wasn't really a big eater. When did you first realize, and, and where was it, during a game, during a practice, working out, when did you realize that you were going to be a guy who could make it to the NFL? My 10th grade summer, when I got my first offer to uh, Delaware State, that's when I figured out I can take this to the next level. Who was it that, that contacted you and gave you the offer from Delaware State? Um, I had went to a camp, and I had left with the offer, so I don't remember that. That was like a while ago, so I don't think that staff is even there anymore, so yeah. I don't really remember that. And then did you feel like you carried yourself differently after that? Like, yeah, yeah I know I can do this. Yeah. And sometimes that confidence actually makes you that's better. What, yeah, when that's you what know happened. you can do it, that's half the battle. Yeah, I gained more confidence after I got that first offer. So I feel like that's what it was. So where do you have a, a, a target in mind, a range, a high, low, where you're going to be drafted? Top 10. I, I think I'm going to perform where to go top 10. Who was your favorite team growing up? Did the you Washington Redskins. Redskins. Why, why the Redskins? They was close to home. Okay. You know, I'm from Richmond, so they was two hours away. And then my dad liked him, too, so I just liked whoever my dad liked. Who was it that you were a fan of, specifically player-wise, growing up? Who was the guy you loved watching during games? Uh, Clinton Portis. He was definitely my favorite running back. Uh, LaDainian Thomason was my favorite running back, too. Growing up, I didn't really watch O'Ramey. Like, little kids, they don't, they don't watch O'Ramey. Right. They watch the skill players, so that's what I grew up watching. So Washington had the Hogs. Do you know anything about the Hogs back in the day? Yeah. yeah that offensive yeah. line? Yeah, I know they were about the Hogs. pretty impressive, weren't they? Yeah, real impressive. They got a decent offensive line now. I'll tell you what, uh, they're drafting in. You never know how it's going to work out. You never know. And that's the thing. It's so uncertain for everyone. Unlike college where you get to pick where you're going to go, mm -hmm. you have to wait and see who yeah. makes that call. And I think it, it makes it even more special when a guy gets to go to the team that he grew up rooting for. There's yeah. a chance that happens. That's a pretty high chance. It can definitely happen. What's this week been like for you so far? It's been great. I've been taking it in. It's a, it's a huge blessing just seeing these different coaches, talking to these different teams. It's great. It's a great, it's a great opportunity. It, any crazy questions that you've gotten so far? Ah, uh, yeah. One guy. Actually, no. No, I just had to rate. One time I had to rate uh, partying from a scale to 1 to 10. That was the craziest thing I ever did. What was your answer? A zero. I don't, I don't really like parties. Here's, here's the key, though. What they do during these sessions, they try to get under your skin to mm -hmm. see when you're going to react. I wouldn't recommend doing that with you. Right? <laughs> 67364. Don't try to get under this guy's skin or you may end up regretting it. Yeah. Probably. All right. Well, we're going to look forward to seeing you get under the skin of some guys across from you in the NFL. We wish you all the best, Thank Makai. Thank you. Have a great combine. We'll be watching your 40. We'll be looking to see what your numbers are in the bench press. And we can't wait to see which team drafts you and which team benefits from six foot seven, 364-pound Makai Becton-Aluga. We'll be back with plenty more PFT Live right after this. Back, covering the most intense four-day job interview of all time. It's Pro Football Talk Live at the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. Let's see who Florio likes. Continuing our coverage of the 2020 Scouting Combine from Indianapolis, it's Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. We have yet to say hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. My sources in the UK and Ireland tell me that all four hours, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, available to them on Sky, and we appreciate that partnership. We appreciate the partnership with Shereen Williams. <laughs> Stepping in for Chris Sims, who tried his darndest to get through it. 
came over from the hotel, even though he had been sick all night, got sick almost on set, tried to regroup. We sent him back to the hotel, and he may be back later. We've got plenty more time for him to recover and come back. So get well, Chris. Shereen, thanks for being here. Uh, sorry, sorry to give you an unwelcome surprise on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> yeah, I kind of rolled out of bed and rolled over here, and uh, here we are. So I don't know how it looked, but... J just the text message you love to get when you're waking yeah. up. We need you on TV now. Uh, okay. So, uh, but, but it's great to see you, and uh, you've been doing a great job here picking up uh, quotes and information. It's overload. There's so much happening, so much going on. And uh, we're going to play our game that we usually do in this segment, one of the various games we have available. It's like The Price is Right. You know, they've got seven or eight yeah. different games they use all the time. We've got What's More Likely, and we're going to do a little What's More Likely, starting with Colts general manager Chris Ballard, who said yesterday that the team needs to find out more about Jacoby Brissett going forward, more likely to be in Indianapolis in 2021. Jacoby Brissett? or the scouting combine? Whew, I, I got to go with the scouting combine. I think it's definitely here another year, and then I think it goes elsewhere, and I think that's what Indy is, is worried about. But I do think the Colts have another quarterback next year. Jacoby may be back, but I don't think he's a starting quarterback for the Colts coming, but I do think the combine is here next he year. He is under contract through 2020, yeah. that deal last year, and uh, – there's a, a strong degree of ambivalence that yeah. I sense about Jacoby Brissett that wasn't there before he injured his MCL. When he suffered that knee injury against the Steelers, I feel like that began the process of changing the organization's mind about him. And maybe he was hampered by it the rest of the year. Maybe it's unfair to him. Maybe he'll be great this year. But they do seem like a team that is ready to go out and sign someone in free agency. Jim Irsay, the owner of the team, said three days ago, all options are on the table. And I agree with you on the scouting combine. I don't know what the contractual niceties are. Uh, and even I is, do know what the contract is. It is committed, like, it is committed, committed for 2021, and then they have a series of one-year options. Of so I think it leaves after the one it, yeah. when they go to the one-year options. Uh, those commitments can easily be changed yeah. with the well, writing of a sufficiently can. large check. Yes. And that could happen if the NFL is determined to get this thing to L.A. And I think that some people who have a lot of power and a yacht and a bus are determined if you know who I'm talking about, yeah. to get this thing to Los Angeles. Well, and what I see, I don't know that it necessarily goes to Los Angeles long term. What I think they're going to do is they've had so much success with the draft, moving it around, getting these cities to bid on it, whatever. I think that's what they want to do with the combine, move it around. Now, I don't know that the combine can work like that because you've got to have all the medical parts of this. This is not just coming in here and doing interviews and, and going home. There's yeah. so much to it. But I think that's what they want to do. That's what they envision doing. There's a convenience to Indianapolis, and you're going to lose that. You're going to make it harder for the teams to do their jobs, harder for everyone to do their jobs if you start moving it around from city to city. But I don't think the people who make those decisions care about that. They want to make this into a bigger and bigger event. They're going to get a taste of it this year with the workouts in prime time. And I think it's just a matter of time before we have a full stadium. You're not going to see the coaches right. sitting out in the crowd. They're all going to be in the suites, and the stadium is going to be full of fans who are watching these guys. We see all the time they're competing. It's going to feel like even more of a competition when you have 60,000 people watching the players do their thing. All right, next topic. The Bears say they're going to wait until May to decide on whether to exercise the fifth-year option for quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. He was the second overall pick in 2017. Where is Trubisky most likely to feel flourish? The Bears in Chicago or with another team, or I guess option three, nowhere. 
Yeah, well, you know. Because Flourish may be overstating what we think he's going to be I was going to gonna say, I, I'm not sure that, that Flourish is probably the right word there. I, he's just struggled, and he's not looked good. And, you know, yesterday uh, Ryan Pace talked about his left shoulder injury and how much that may or may not have affected him uh, during the season. And he conceded that it wasn't that much had to do that much with his throwing, but maybe his running and that sort of thing. But this guy just hasn't been good. So if he's going to have a chance to go anywhere and maybe star, and that might be overstating it too, I think it's going to be somewhere else other than Chicago. I think Chicago is already considering their options that we've got to do something else. We've got a really good team here. We don't have the quarterback to go with this really good team. I really feel like the problem in Chicago is Trubisky doesn't fit the offense, and Matt Nagy doesn't want to change the offense to fit Trubisky. I mean, that's what you need to do if you're going to make the most out of the guy you have. You take the guy you have and you adjust your approach to suit him. And if you don't want to do that, then you go get somebody who fits what you do. It's that simple. And it's difficult because Ryan Pace, the GM of the team, made the trade up to get Trubisky. Took Trubisky when Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were available. And I feel like Pace is going to want to give this guy every chance before cutting the cord. And Nagy may be thinking, I'm going to end up losing my job if I don't get a quarterback in here who can run the offense the way I want. And it feels like a Titans situation where they could bring in a backup who starts off as the backup and at some point September, October becomes the starter. No question. You see it exactly like that. And I think we talked about that before, that that you could have a guy come in here as the quote-unquote backup who ends up being the starter for, for this team going forward and, and maybe better off with somebody else as a starter. Because I do think this is a good football team other than at the quarterback position. And it's, it's a shame because, well, look, this is the way football is. And the, the Bears have seen it with guys like, Cade McNown. Remember him? He was one of the first rounders in 1999. You don't get the five years you're used to to figure it out. And it may be that Trubisky just needs five years to figure it out. You know, he was was a starter at North Carolina. There were questions about whether he's NFL ready. But you've got to, when you have all these guys around you who are figuring it out right away, it becomes more glaring when a guy doesn't figure it out within three years, and this will be year four for him to try to figure it out. Steelers GM Kevin Colbert told us yesterday that Ben Roethlisberger could be better than ever after his elbow surgery. He bases it on Roethlisberger having a year off to heal up any and all lingering injuries. What's more likely? Father Time catches up to Big Ben this year, or he has a year like we saw from Brett Favre in 2009 after he was derailed late in the season with that biceps tendon issue and his performance went down. He recovered and had a great year in 2009. Well, a couple weeks ago, I picked Ben as one of my redemption candidates, so I'm obviously going that way. I think this guy's going to have a good year. I do think the year off probably helped him assuming that elbow is going to get back to normal. Now, we don't even know if he had Tommy John surgery, how extensive the surgery was on that elbow. But if that elbow is healthy, I think Ben Roethlisberger can have a really good year and and be a candidate for comeback player of the year. My concern with Roethlisberger as he gets closer to 40 is that the elbow is just the first body part that breaks down. And he's taken so many hits. And look, no, and, and I know that people close to him don't like it when I say this, but I don't think we're ever going to confuse him with Tom Brady from the standpoint of diet, nutrition, pliability, (laughs) and all those things aimed at allowing you to play at a high level beyond the age of 40. I've never gotten the sense that he is committed to that kind of lifestyle, and that's okay. But Father Time is going to get you sooner rather than later if that's the case. So I'm just concerned. I, I, I think Father Time is starting to catch up. It's starting to look like Father Time with that beard, yeah. right? I, I think he is Father Time, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a challenge for him. And I wouldn't want to say, if I'm the Steelers, 
you know, the Steelers usually play these things well. Why do you want to set the bar that high for Ben? If anything, yeah. you should be saying, you know, we're, look, we're cautious and we're just going to wait and see how he goes. And then if he exceeds it, great. But, but they're setting the bar maybe higher than they should. All right, Titans GM John Robinson recently said, as to the future of quarterback Ryan Tannehill with the Titans, we'll see how it goes. What's more likely if Tannehill leaves the Titans? They will replace him with a quarterback from the available free agents, or they will head to the draft and try to find a replacement there? Isn't this crazy how I don't know that we've ever seen a class like this where we have GMs and coaches saying, well, we're going to see if there's a better option out there, and if there's not, maybe we bring our guy back. But you see that with Tampa, too. It's really weird. I, I don't know that I've seen that as much as I have this offseason. But here's what's amazing. Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions. There's a reason to not be all in with Jameis yeah. Winston. Ryan Tannehill, now, look, I know there's a reason to not be in related to his injury history, but 117.5 passer rating, Higher the passer. fourth highest of all time for a single season. How can you be ambivalent about him unless you are thinking about maybe a Tom Brady or someone like that that you already have pegged to come in and be the difference? And the point that I want to make that I've reiterated several times the past couple of days because it finally dawned on me. Somebody is going to make a business decision about Tom Brady, not a football decision, and they're going to pay him a ton of money to make a team relevant, to sell out a stadium, to sell hundreds of thousands of jerseys, maybe not hundreds, but you get my point. And maybe the Titans will be the team that make that business decision from an ownership standpoint. We need this guy to, to make our team like the Predators, the hockey team that's so popular in Nashville. It feels like the Titans haven't been able to do it. So. Uh, there's all, it's amazing to me to think that they would throw Ryan Tannehill away after what a great year he had, but they may be thinking about doing it. I, and I agree with you that it will be a veteran quarterback to answer the question, which I didn't do earlier. I don't think it's going to be through the draft. I do think they end up with a veteran quarterback. And Tom Brady does make sense there from Mike Vrabel, his relationship with Vrabel. All of that makes sense to me that, that Tom Brady would be the guy if that's the direction they're going to go. And you think of it from Brady's perspective, and Chris Sims and I were talking about this earlier. If you're Brady and you can go anywhere you want, like, okay, the Raiders want you. Well, but do you really want to go into the division with the Chiefs? Chargers may want you. Chiefs, again, that you have to deal with. And I think when you start looking around, right, AFC South of all the division, the AFC South is better than it used to be, but it feels more wide open. And it's not just being in a division that's wide open that you can win. You want to do so well that you fatten up your record and you get the one seed or the two seed. And of course, the one seed is going to mean even more with expanded postseason now because only the one seed gets a bye. But I think that's got to be part of Tom Brady's overall list of factors. And it's never going to be perfect, but it, it could be. Titans see this as a business move, also a way to improve the football team, the connection with Mike Vrabel. The challenge is selling Tom Brady and family on Nashville. And let's not overlook the importance of what his wife, Giselle Bunchen is going to think about where the family is moving. And she's got to feel good about Nashville before it happens. Yeah, I don't know if she's going to feel good about Nashville. And that, that's the thing. If, if I'm a quarterback, though, I think I'm looking more to the NFC. If I have my chance to go where I want to go, I'm, I want to get away from Kansas City and New England. You know where I want to go in the NFC. I'm, I'm going you know to, I want the, to go. Where do you want to go? I want to go to the Cowboys okay. if I'm Tom Brady. All right. yeah. I, and, and look, Sims is a – you and I talked about this. Yeah. Who uh, Between Brady and Dak. We love Dak. Yeah. We think Dak should get paid. But between Brady and Dak for one, one year, year. One year. This year, Brady. Yeah. Next year, Dak. This year, Brady. And, and Sims does not believe that. But I think if you give Tom Brady that offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott, if they can keep Amari Cooper – 
and that defense, which is kind of work in progress, not as good as it needs to be, but maybe it'll be better under Mike Nolan. It could get very interesting. And Mike McCarthy's offense, I think that fits Tom too. And and a division that had a nine and seven champion last year with other teams with new coaches and who knows where the Eagles are. And that may be one of the divisions where you can end up getting the bye as the teams in the NFC West cannibalize each other and the teams in the NFC North kind of do the same thing. NFC South, who knows? I mean, Tampa Bay and I think Dallas would be the two that I'd look to. And, and, and Bruce Arians has already said it. Tampering rules be damned. He's going to call Tom Brady if he's thinking about options other than Jameis Winston. Yeah, and Tampa makes – I mean, look, Tom Brady's not going to Dallas. They, they're going to re-sign Dak Prescott. They're going to franchise him if they don't get a deal done. They think – they still think, even though they haven't talked – uh, since September, they still think they can get a deal done uh, in the next couple weeks. I don't know if that's possible, but they are going to franchise him if they don't. Dak Prescott's not going anywhere. But Tom Brady, to me, makes sense in Tampa, too. I mean, it's Florida's a great place. There's no state income tax. That defense is going to be really good, as Bruce Arians told you yesterday. There's a lot of things to like about Tampa. Yeah, I look, I love good stories. And I think Tom Brady going to the Cowboys would be the absolute biggest story we will ever see in our lifetime, even if it's not going to happen. Tampa Bay intriguing as well. Maybe the new uniforms will make – maybe they'll give Tom Brady a sneak peek of the new uniforms because the current uniforms, I wouldn't want to wear those. The new uniforms, maybe Tom Brady will like those. All right, we're going to take a break. More from the scouting combine in Indianapolis for now when PFT Live continues right after this. Over 300 of the very best college football players have been invited to the NFL Scouting Combine. Let's see who Florio likes. This is Pro Football Talk Live in Indianapolis. Here's Mike. I'm not going to not play. Um, I'm a ball player. Whoever picks me, I'm going to go show up. And I think we're meeting with the Bengals here in a couple days, and I'm, I'm looking forward to just talking ball, seeing what they're about, seeing the offense that they run, see how they think about ball. You know, the only thing that I've said is I, I just didn't want to be presumptuous about the pick, and so that's why I've been non-committal because I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they might not pick me. They might fall in love with someone else. So, they, you know, you guys kind of took that narrative and ran with it, but um, there, there has never been anything like that from my end. Uh, sorry, Joe. I'm skeptical, Joe. I think there was a plan for January that has changed for February. That's what I think. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. I, look, there's a difference between the guy submitting to the process and wanting to play for the Bengals. And the question I posed earlier in the show, Shireen, if you made Joe Burrow a free agent and said, Joe, you get to pick where you want to go, do you really think the Bengals are going to be the first team he chooses? No. I don't think he'll be the first team, but do you think he ends up with Cincinnati? Does he I, play for Cincinnati? I think there isn't anything he can ultimately do about it. I think they have they have kind of poked around the edges of seeing if maybe they can scare Cincinnati away. And the public effort, I think they've realized that's not going to work because of people, I'm sorry, because of people like us who will say, BS, we see what's going on here. We see what you're trying to do. We're going to read these tea leaves, which aren't all that difficult to read. When Joe Burrow says, I'll play for whoever wants to pay me, then Carson Palmer says the Bengals aren't committed to winning. Then Joe Burrow hires Carson Palmer's kid brother to train him. And then Joe Burrow says, 
I want to be the number one pick, but I want to play for a team that's committed to winning. Not all that hard to figure out which way this thing is moving. They backed off of that now because he ultimately has no control, right? He, he has to submit to the process. He's not going to sit out a whole year and give up $36 million fully guaranteed over four seasons. In this day and age, no one's going to do that. And I'll tell you this, I was at his press conference yesterday, and he looked like he was heavily coached on his answers yesterday. He had all the right answers. They were different from a week ago in Fort Worth when he was there for the Davey O'Brien Award, and he talked about, I have leverage. He backed down on that. He said, well, the leverage I was really talking about was at the combine. I'm not going to work out. That's not leverage. He, he never mentioned that, that in lever- his quote. Does, yeah, I mean, maybe there is young no and he doesn't understand combine. what leverage means. Yes. It's not leverage. It's no. personal preference. Yeah. And there's no reason for him to work out at the combine. He's going to be the number one overall pick. I mean, yeah. that's not that's not a leverage play. That is a smart business move. Uh, so anyway, I, I look, I, I think the Bengals will end up taking him. And I think he will go. And he'll make chicken salad. And he may make the team better. Um, but, but I think it's fair to conclude based on the signals we were getting in January that's, that there was the beginnings of an effort to see if they could maybe get the Bengals to conclude it's in their best interest to trade that pick to someone else. And they still met. He makes so much sense to the Bengals. The fact that this is an Ohio kid, he won the Heisman Trophy, he would just generate a lot of excitement. You talk about ticket sales. He's going to sell tickets in Cincinnati, which needs those ticket sales. He's going to sell a lot of jerseys in Cincinnati, which needs that. He is exactly what they need. But to me, they need to show a commitment to winning this offseason. And they can do that. They can do that in free agents. They can do that by committing to build an indoor practice facility. There's a lot of things they can do to say we are committed to winning. We're not the team you think we are. And the key is when it comes to drafting Joe Burrow to show that commitment to winning, it doesn't cost you any more than it would if you draft someone else. And that that sensitivity to expense is one of the reasons why the Bengals have been regarded as a team that isn't trying to win. That's what stunned me about the reaction from so many Bengals fans. And I'm encouraged that that many Bengals fans care. It's like, okay, now go buy tickets. Where are all of you on Sundays? Because there's just a sense of apathy around the team and the reaction to this, I think, fairly obvious conclusion that maybe Joe Burrow doesn't want to play for the Bengals, and there's nothing he can really do about it, but he still can have a personal preference to play elsewhere. Just pointing that out, for that to cause so many Bengals fans to get up in arms, I, I, I'm encouraged that maybe they, they aren't that far away from turning this thing around, even though they were bad enough last year to earn the number one overall pick. And they're ready to win. I mean, you know, Zach Taylor said we wouldn't be here if we weren't committed to winning. They want to win, but this is a team that hasn't won a playoff game since 1990. It's been a really long time. Yeah, I, it was the game where Bo Jackson's hip got destroyed. That was the last playoff game the Bengals won in L.A. against the Raiders before the Raiders even moved back to Oakland. That's how long ago it was. And uh, we'll see if the Bengals can turn around. I want the Bengals to turn around Cincinnati. Please give me a break. we got more PFT Live coming right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.